This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today, we are excited to have as our special guest, Sue Fink, composer, performer, founder, and conductor of the famed Angel City Chorale. And I'm Mary Elkins. Under Sue's direction, the Angel City Chorale has gained international acclaim for its music and call for community building through diversity. The 180-member group, is that right, Sue, has released several CDs, one of which reached number 12 on the Billboard World Music Chart. Plus, the chorale was a semifinalist on America's Got Talent. Welcome, Sue. And can you tell us a little about your experience being on AGT? We're just going to dig right into it, I see. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been able to watch a reality show since we were on that. I know too much now. Uh, <laughs> Spoils it. Every once in a while, I, I'll, you know, go by The Voice or one of those shows. I go, hmm, I wonder how much of that is real. <laughs> oh. Well, your work was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, everybody, all the performers work really hard to put their, their stuff together. Ours, But it, I can tell you some of the behind kind of cool stuff that happens that most people don't know. Um, we had did not apply to be on a, on America's Got Talent, but we had a viral video um, that happened totally by accident. We did a cover of uh, Toto's Africa, and we started it with a rainstorm, and um, and we had done it like three years earlier. But there was a drought in Africa, and um, uh, an African uh, blog or um, newspaper or something put this our performance up and it was so funny because you know we'd had like 10,000 views but then the next day I I happened to look on on YouTube the next day we had 65,000 views and then the next day it was a hundred thousand and the next day it was 500,000 and then within a week we were at a million and it just kept going and going and going and it's still being seen and I've I think on our channel alone without all the shares that it had we've had 17 or 19 million I think views and then um but I think there've been like 280 million views in different formats uh, around the world of this video. So I guess the producers at America's Got Talent saw it and reached out and they said, we've seen that video. Instead of auditioning or coming to one of our auditions, we would just like you to invite you to come to the live uh, on-camera audition. Um, mm. And so we got to skip that whole process. And what I've learned is I think that's where they get most of their talent. Um, uh, they they find because I've looked up the other performers that were at least on our show and others and they all had big followings on YouTube and had even ones like 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 there might be a singer who was comes on the stage and she's terribly afraid and she looks so you know nervous and everything and she's already had like two million followers you know what I mean <laughs> uh, so. You know, yeah. so that part of it was a little dicey. But, you know, we said, you know, what the heck? We, we oh. can just, we'll sing one, we'll sing the one song and we'll get some exposure and it'll be great for the group, you know? Um, and, and I never thought past it. I'd never really seen the show. Um, uh, but we went down and, and, and we did the audition and they, uh, they gave us, you know, the four standing ovations of the judges, and they and they said, "Yes, we're sending you on to the next next thing." We went, "We're going That's on." Great. 
we have to prepare another song. (laughs) (laughs) It's so exciting. So we were going to do, um, uh, we, we were, we wanted to do this song by Christopher Ten, this wonderful composer we've worked a lot with. Um, that's, uh, the African, the Lord's prayer uh, called Baba Yetu. And, um, it's also the theme song for, uh, uh, Civilization Four, which is a video game. And we wanted to do that, but the producers were very against it. They said, nobody will know what this song is. Um, you should do some pop song. And I said, you know, we don't care. This is what who we are. We want to do this. Um, and we we love the song, and this is who we are. And if we go ahead, we don't care. You know, so we went and we did it, and we got the golden buzzer. So <laughs> the only hitch was... I didn't know what the golden buzzer was. So when all that gold flaking started to fall from the sky um, and all around me, I'm going, what's happening? What's I didn't even know. It meant that we went straight to the live shows and got to skip some stuff. And um, I was like, and, you know, everyone's Another like, song. Yeah. But then it was like, then we had to prepare, you know, for the, uh, we did the quarterfinals and then we did the, the semifinals. And in the, um, and then um, at the semifinals, we uh, this was the one part that was difficult for me because um, we did the semifinals on the day of 9-11. Oh. And so I wanted to do um, The Rising by Bruce Springsteen, which is about, um, about 9-11. And um, um, the producers um, were afraid of the, I, they, I think it would have been very difficult for us to be in the finals. There was 160 of us, or I know it's like 150 people were singing at that point. And um, it was very difficult to get us on and off stage. I mean, you can't really blame them because it was, yeah, it was so crazy. Yeah. And because um, uh, uh, it took 10 minutes to get that on and then just at the risers out there in the middle of the show. So they actually had to take us out of order and do us first and then clear the risers mm-hmm. and then put us in the middle of the show. And for the finals, that just would have been really difficult because we were the largest group that had ever been on America's Got Talent. And they just, uh, and so I think they really didn't want us to do something that the world would love. So they always do a B-roll. And and so in the B-roll, we uh, all gathered and I sort of gave this uh, pep talk to the group was the, the premise. And I read letters because we were getting letters and emails from people all over the world and really touching stuff like uh, because our stance was our whole thing about wasn't just singing, but saying um, you can take when we all. Uh, work together on a project, if we all have a common goal, uh, then then we're not centered around the things that make us different, like black, white, rich, poor, gay, straight, all those things that make us uh, different. Because our group wants to show that diverse people can come together and create something better than the that's you know, than the sum of our parts, we create something greater. And um, so that was the theme we were carrying through. And so when I introduced in the B-roll what we were singing, um, I, I talked about how in the story of Bruce Springsteen's song, um, there's this firefighter and he's climbing up the ladder to save people's lives. And he doesn't know who's on the other side. And it doesn't matter because all of us matter. Every individual matters. So, um, and I, I think that was such a wonderful theme for us, but they cut that out of the B-roll and said, oh, look at all the fan letters they got. And I knew right from there, even before we got to sing for the semifinals, I knew that they were not letting us tell the audience why we were singing this song. And um, uh, so I sort of got it in afterwards in the comments, but. Uh, I knew it was going to be the end there. And you know what? We were exhausted. It was really, we felt like we had won the lottery getting to be on that show and um, and have that, that experience of, it bonded us in a way and it made the group be a better group. 
And we worked so hard. I mean, we rehearsed three nights a week and we had to add extensive choreography. And it was really coordinating a lot of people's schedules and orchestrations and all kinds of stuff. And it turned out to be, I mean, one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. But <laughs> but looking back, I certainly had, what do you call it? That's, post, that's post-stress traumatic. What do you call yes. it? Yes, PTSD. This is I'm telling you every time I turn on a reality show. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I don't regularly watch that show, but I happened to see when you were on and got the golden buzzer and all the stuff yeah. came down. Uh-huh. I happened to see that episode. I saw your performance. That was wonderful. Oh. Yeah, it was wonderful. And, and Sue, we always like to ask our guests about how they started out and the paths they took that opened the doors to their careers. And your story is an exciting one. So please tell our listeners about your beginnings and who, if anyone, influenced you along the way. Um, Well, I was born at an early age. Um, (laughs) Very early. Very early. (laughs) (laughs) And I grew up very near to where Mary Ellen is. (laughs) Although I'm not not supposed to say more. Yes, you did. But we've known each other quite a long time. Um, And um, I uh, went to UCLA and um, I studied choral music there. Um, Oh, did you sing with Don Weiss? I did. Did you go to UCLA? I did too. Yeah. Yeah. I sang with Don Weiss. I sang in the Madrigals with him. Did you? uh, I I, I just, I did the chorus, the bigger group. Yeah. I did that too. It was fun. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then I well, Roger Wagner was also teaching there, so I sang with him. And then I went to when I went to graduate school there. Um, uh, he invited me to be one of his interns, so I followed him around and learned a lot from him. And he's just uh, for those of you that don't know who he is, he's just like probably one of the most well-known choral conductors that have ever walked the earth. He was a gruff guy, but man, he could he he was inspiring as a choral conductor. So I got to follow him around. But then I made this decision, I really want to be a rock and roll star. So, I, mm-hmm. and I'm a songwriter, so I started uh, traveling doing my own music and I did um, um, regular concerts, I did political concerts, I did feminist concerts, I did uh, all kinds of uh, things that way. And- um, Did you I, have a band, a backup band? I had, um, I at sometimes I had a full backup band, and sometimes on the road I had I just took a guitarist and did all of the electronics and uh, programming synthesizers and stuff. It was the '80s, you know. It was cool to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, being a late boomer. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I did all that, and uh, and I. St- when I and I had another choir at that time, the LA Women's Community Chorus, and I just I was on the road so much I had to quit that. But finally, one day I just said, you know, I had a chance to. I, I got really tired of touring, and I decided I wanted to have a life here in Los Angeles. So I I was teaching voice, and I was working uh, teaching some classes at McCabe's uh, Guitar Shop in Santa Monica, mm-hmm. and um, I. I don't know. Some things happened, uh, and I started the uh, the uh, Angel City Corral at McCabe's. Um, and we had I took eighteen of my voice students, and um, uh, not realizing that, of course, just because you're a good singer means that you could hold a harmony. Uh, so mm-hmm. it took us twelve weeks to learn some simple carols, <laughs> and it just. But it, I think because I didn't start it as a religious group and I didn't start it in a university, um, it just, uh, it was more, um, you know, it was just this kind of a little bit of a West side, uh, a group that was, that was just average people that wanted to sing. And, and some of them had really good voices. So we were, they were, they were pop singers and they weren't coming from that classical background, um, per se. So the music kind of went in a different direction and, uh, and more, uh, that non corny way that some groups go and then not the real classical way that some other groups go. And as our membership grew, we, we diversify, you know, we did a lot of diverse music and, 
it just attracted people and it just grew very fast. And I think one of the biggest things that really helped it was we became the choir for the Democratic Convention when it was here in Los Angeles. And uh, they really wanted us to be more diverse. So we, you know, and people really wanted to sing at the convention. And since we were the only choir the whole week, we, and we backed up all the acts and it was, it, it really attracted members. And that's when it really took off. You and, know, you, you, you're answering the question that I had in mind to ask you right now, which was how the group came together in, and it was what, 1993? 1993. Yeah. And, and, but besides the democratic convention, you also performed at another time for the Royal Philharmonic in London. Well, actually, I, I, that was a thrill because I got to conduct the Royal Philharmonic. And that was, it was a little scary, but it was fun. It was really uh-huh. fun to get to do that. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I was nervous about it, but the concertmaster shook my hand and said I did great. So I went, hmm. oh. and we yeah. Do you remember what piece that was that you performed? We, uh, well, that was a tour that we were on. Uh, that we went with this composer, the one I was talking about, Christopher Ten, um, and we were touring with him, and we split the evening's concert. We went through England um, doing concerts, and then we added some other choirs from local cities to, to make the group even bigger, and um, uh, and we split the evenings, and so we were con- uh, doing his music. Um, Is he English? No, he's a... Uh, He's uh, he's an American Chinese composer um, here lives here in Santa Monica, hmm. but he's uh, just an unbelievably wonderful. And we uh, performed one album, uh, his first album, Calling All Dawns, and then we also performed pieces from his second uh, song cycle album, uh, The Drop That Contained the Sea, which uh, my group sang on 10 of the tracks. But one of the things that he does is goes around the world um, and he gets authentic uh, people and groups from around the world and he records them in these different places. And uh, it's, it's so from, music is very world music oriented uh, and it uh, it's just thrilling music. Hmm. It sounds fabulous. And yeah. we know you're a composer and performer yourself. You've mentioned that, but talk about your work writing music for yourself and for other choral organizations and TV shows and movie soundtracks. Which ones would you single out as the most interesting and rewarding? I, you know, um, I've always loved just songwriting. And, you know, I've had a not major success with getting it out. I'm not much of a salesperson, but for myself, I could sell you like that. Um, but, um, <laughs> I'm so good at selling other people. I'm so good as a choral conductor because if it's not about me, I can, I can yeah. really be out there. Um, but you know, I've had some placements and, uh, and, and uh, some movies. One, one, one thing I really, one experience I really loved was I was, I also teach voice and I was teaching Mary Steenburgen and she's this wonderful actress and uh, we became friendly and she was doing a movie. And so I wrote her a song for the move to do in the movie. And uh, that was, that was fun. Not only to which movie with, was that? Cause I remember yeah. her singing in something. The, gra- the grass harp. Um, that oh. was really yeah. She's sung in, sung in a couple things. She's done like even comedy yeah. sketches with singing. So she's you, a lo- she's a lovely person. That's great. Yeah. Any other TV shows or? Yeah, um, yeah. Let me say, um, NYPD. Um, uh, oh gosh, I I should look them up, but you know. Um, you know, things were in the background, like in the uh, usual suspects. They're, like it looks like, sounds like it's playing on the radio. Or um, uh, and um, apt pupil, which is a, I think it's a Stephen King uh, movie. Um, just, just. And do you write for the chorale also? Yeah. See, that's been what I've done a lot. But and then other choirs pick up the music as well, and 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 uh, I've written some. I think some nice things. And I often, I like working with other people. So I often, 
uh, we'll get a collaborator and work with them because then it brings, I love that collaborative process, just probably like the two of you working together on this. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, because there's, it's not just your thinking, but you push, pull back and forth and, and you find, uh, I think, again, it's, uh, I, it's just like working with the crowd. It's that, that coming together of two different people's thoughts and then the best of your ideas come forward in the best of situations. I think it's like when people get together in, in a, in a relationship and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And usually, yeah. usually opposites are attracted and, and, and you bring out, um, and either you bring out the things, you know, and you fit into the holes that each other have, or sometimes you, <laughs> you, you start clashing with each other, hitting each other. And, yes. uh, but you you lead a, a group of so many people, so you bring them all together. You're kind of the cohesive glue. Well, I'm certainly one of it. But as the group has grown, we have, you know, a lot of people working and, and supporting this group. Our executive director is amazing, Winifred Nicework, um, and just so many volunteers. Um, I'm definitely the arm wave, waving wing of this organization. And maybe I think I'm sort of the, um, uh, I guess you'd call it the spirit guide for the group of where we're going. Um, but again, it's a collaborative process. Even when we pick music, uh, we allow the group to vote on the, on the choices. Um, mm. it's, democratic. It's very, it's very democratic. Uh, you know, if they don't want to participate, they don't have to, but they can be part of the decision-making. Um, and I believe with any organization that the answer is what makes an organization work, it's ownership. I can tell when somebody says, you're, they're in the choir and they go, your choir is so cool. I can tell they're not really in it. But when they say, my choir is so cool, then I know they're, they're, they're going to give. They're going to be part of it. They're going to take and give. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's a good point. You know, you but you yourself as a singer songwriter had a lot of success alone. You I understand you have two very critically acclaimed solo albums. And are you at all ever performing solo at this point? Well, you know, the entire world is not doing that right now. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't been performing by myself. I used to do that a lot. And I did put out a couple albums and 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 added to some other people's composite albums and um, got a couple awards for them and stuff. And what awards were those? Um, well, my favorite one was from the independent uh, distributors. Is um, what's it called? The uh, National Organization NAIRD. It's called National Association of Independent Record Distributors. Um, and Can I ask what genre are the well, albums? What the, type of music? The first, al the first album I would call um, sort of pop, MOR stuff, um, mi middle of the road kind of pop. And my second album was a little bit more, you know, it was that 80s kind of synth. Sounds great. Can you also tell our listeners about the chorales, play it forward, and about the charitable work you and the group do? Oh, sure. You know, um, many, many years ago, you know, I thought I was just starting a choral group. Um, but again, that whole ownership thing, uh, when people began feeling this is, um, and really one of the reasons I started it was I felt like there's so many of us were, um, you know, so alone in this big city you know you're trying to make your career so many of the people rather than in other groups that were um church oriented or um classically oriented they were trying to make it as pop singers and most most of the group when i first started were people that had been solo singers and artists and um you feel alone in a big city like this and you're trying to make it and you're pushing and I wanted to start at the beginning when I was really wanting to create a community of singers that supported each other as they went through this um, trying to make it in this big world um, and, uh, and to give a small town feeling to Los Angeles you know 
as, as, as a community building. And, you know, that's sort of our saying, um, building community one song at a time. And so that, with that phrase in mind, um, people began the idea, well, why don't we start doing some concerts for um, others? And uh, two people were very instrumental in making that happen, uh, David Steinberg and Deborah Bogan. Um, formed our tour, what we call our Tour of Hope. Um, and we started just at the holidays going around. We, uh, the city gave us buses and uh, starting to go to homeless shelters and uh, the Catholic Worker and other places where we would bring our concert to people that couldn't come to see us in concert. And uh, so it started there and then it started expanding. Well, uh, we started, you know, collecting toiletries and gifts and uh, so we, we went with presents when we went to these places and had stuff for kids and uh, started collecting and uh, people got stuff from Disney and other places that would donate to that and then expanded into doing things different times of the year and um, one of those expressions is the question you asked me about playing it forward which was our the concert, that, our online concert uh, that we did this spring. Because when coronavirus hit, you know, we were, uh, this might be a question you're asking later, but you know, it was just like, for choirs, it was a death sentence, really. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, I, I can't tell you how many people sent me that article about the people in Washington that all got coronavirus because they tried to sing together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. they were spreading it. It's like, it was like the worst case scenario. Whoever thought that singing was a crime? But, uh, you know, we were completely shut down. And, um, but I refused to let this group die. Um, so first we had just some nice rehearsals online uh, at Zoom. Um, we, and of course you can't sing at the same time uh, because of the delay. And uh, so, you know, it was just, uh, I would lead rehearsals, but I, uh, they were all on mute, so I couldn't hear them back. But we put together and we got a wonderful director, Jill Dagnetica, and um, we put together an amazing, wow, thunder. We put together an on, it's actually raining in Los Angeles, people. Do you want to <laughs> Okay. Um, wow. We put together, is it, are you hearing it over there? No. No. Uh, what area are you? I'm in West LA. Um, so am I. Yeah, you should be hearing it. Well, well I'm wearing a oh, yeah. that cuts all the noise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty exciting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, our first oh, concert yeah. was a holiday concert, and um, uh, it was we put together an unbelievable concert, and we had, you know, we asked people just to, uh, and we advertised it, you know, as much as we could around the world because we have a pretty because of our videos, we had a pretty good following, so we uh, tried to get reach to them, and and because everybody was stuck at home. Um, you know, we had like, I don't know, 45,000 people watch the show, um, which was pretty good for, you know, mm. a choir. And Amazing. We, and we didn't charge tickets and we raised over $150,000, which pretty much covered the costs of doing it and kept the group together. So we said, okay, that did so well, we're going to do the spring one. But we wanted to come up with a theme that really meant something. And so we came with up with the idea of play it forward, you know that idea that um, um, I'm I'm a ripple. Any little act that I do can ripple out and affect others. But we decided it wasn't good enough to just do songs about that. We should actually put our money where our mouths were. So we combined with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Los Angeles, and we focused on a new center that was being opened up. And we um, made a project along with our songs and so that there was a thematic story that went with it as we helped. So between the songs, there was the story of us um, doing, uh, it was a really uh, industrial building. So we gave it, uh, we did a whole tree planting uh, to make the place beautiful and a huge mural that covers the entire insides, courtyards of the, of the space. and. Everybody in the group came 
and we did everything with hand prints. So there's a whole scene of everything from trees to butterflies to ponds, and it's all done in hand prints and uh, decorated the place. And so that was, uh, um, along with the songs that we sang, um, was, you know, we try to say, don't just sing about it, do something. Too. Yeah. yeah, our listeners will have to go to play it forward on your YouTube channel. Yeah. It's um, it, it's it's down right now, uh, but the individual songs will be coming up um, over the next. Um, you'll see the the individual songs will be coming up, and we'll probably put it up again. Uh, but we felt it's only fair to the people who paid to see it that can't just delete it up but it's so very spiritual yeah and and there is something very spiritual about music and singing with a group give us some idea on how that has affected you and continues to affect you and the people in the corral and as your outlook on life how has it changed how you thought before you know for me choral singing well, first of all, music is art in time. You paint a painting, and then that painting is beautiful and still, and you look at it. But music is something that works in time. And as you're part of that, you feel that feeling of, of movement, and it goes through your body. That's the first thing. The second thing is everybody around you is they each have their own parts. And when they come to you, sing your own part. And I always think of Carol Burnett. She used to do a she used to do a, a, a bit where she go. She was supposed to do a duet for a Christmas show, and um, she she goes to the show. <laughs> And the soprano can't make it, and she's the alto. So she, they said, the show must go on. So she went up, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. <laughs> I know that part. Right. So it's like, you know, uh, it doesn't work till everybody's together. Do you know what I mean? And all the different parts are there. And, and you feel when you're in the audience for something like that, you feel that wave of sound of all these voices coming together. And me as the conductor, I'm standing in front of that, right? Hopefully not having them breathe on me too much because we're wearing, but right now we're wearing masks. But anyway, um, when they're singing and that sound washes over you, it is the most amazing feeling. And to be a part of that, to a part of humans coming together from all their different places and then creating this beautiful thing together, uh, I have to tell you that we, you know, we had our three weeks ago. We had our first rehearsal since eighteen months, in, in person. Everything we did for those two shows that we did on on YouTube, um, everybody filmed uh, filmed and recorded their parts at home, all by themselves, and then it had to all be edited together. Um, mm -hmm. This was the first time we were all in this room together, and we sang Morton Lordson's "O Manu Mysterium," mm -hmm. and. Do you know that? These? Yes, I do. Yeah. And we were all, it was the first time and everybody started crying because we were all in this room. 150 people were in this room all singing. And I was shocked that so many people took the risk to come. I mean, we're being very careful and following every COVID protocol you can imagine. But even just to be able to be in the room together for a short while, it's just, it's an unbelievable feeling. Um, it's a way, you know, it's, there's so many, you know, it's like when you love someone and you can't get close enough to them and you can't hold them hard enough. And you, I, I, you know, it's like you want to merge, you know, and in all the different ways that we do merge. Um, it's, 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 that, it's that feeling that you have truly connected with other human beings in a very um, spiritual way. I so agree with that. I've been yeah. there, done that. I uh, really. Have you sung? Did you ever sing in choirs? Yes, I did. I sang 35 years in my church choir. Oh, yeah. Uh, which so church? We sang 
Westwood Presbyterian. So oh, it was yeah. originally Don Reese's church. That's right. Well, That's I right. knew him from UCLA. So I started singing with him at church. And um, they've continued know, to have great music there. They did. We do. We, yeah. we, yeah, we hired uh, John Kevin Hilbert after that. And I've, I've, I've not sung with them for about eight years. So they've been through a couple changes they've since through then. They've a couple of changes, but they keep bringing in really good people and doing really good music. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. I have several friends that sing in that and, uh, and also sing in our group. Um, and we, we were going to also ask you to address about the pandemic, which you have. And, uh, and what obstacles did you originally face with that? It was Zoom was a pretty new technology to most people. When the, when the pandemic kicked in, some of us didn't know how to use it. We would get our friends in there and they couldn't connect. You must have had all those issues with people trying to tape themselves. Oh, oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, the thunder's going out here. I love that. Yeah, um, no. It was, it was so funny. I mean, uh, you have 150 people and you're going, Natalie, mute. Carol, <laughs> mute. You know, it's like, and, you know, and I have four pages of people. Oh. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. In 2020, yeah. I gave a Halloween party. Oh. Two or three people never got their video on, and they never got on it because they were still so new to Zoom. And I thought, it's October, people. We've been in lockdown since March. You should have figured this format out. But it was maddening that people didn't know how to mute and didn't know how to turn their video on. Well, they only had to do their costumes up to here. Yeah, I yeah. know. I told them all. That right. They, and some we of them wore that, masks. And some of them that couldn't even get on. Yeah. You know, they they had their costumes and they really wanted to show off and they couldn't do it. And so I can singing. only I can't conceive of like telling everybody record your part and then oh, we'll edit it together yeah singing together i mean even when you we tried to sing happy birthday on zoom everybody was timing it differently right so. exactly and until you try that you don't realize how hard it is to pull that off yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. it's like like row 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 your boat yeah <laughs> well now we're getting lightning okay um yeah for those of you not in law <laughs> <laughs> For those of you not in Los Angeles, this is unique. Hey, we get that every day. No, it's unique. <laughs> it must mean that this is a really special broadcast. It will be. It will it be. Sure will be. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the, the whole coronavirus thing. Um, yeah. It 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 set us. You know, we were we were four months away, three months away from our big spring concert. And we had been, and the first month we tried to keep preparing, hoping things would open up. And then we realized it wasn't. So then we said, okay, we'll do some, uh, uh, we'll do some classes. And then uh, uh, a composer asked us to, we decided to try our first video. That's what it was. So um, we uh, did one for the city um, about, about Los Angeles. Um, uh, and was all uh, everyone filmed at home. Uh, it was a piece called Sonia de Valare, and it's about the flight. Uh, it's uh, uh, Leonardo da Vinci's words about flying, mm -hmm. and uh, and we and the the motto for it was "We will fly again, Los Angeles. We will fly again," and um, because that was something that Mayor Garcetti had said that we will fly again, and we've had a nice relationship with him, so. Um, mm, fact, we, got, we got to sing a happy 100th birthday, and he got to conduct us for a oh. birthday for the, for the city. That was fun. Sue, there's scant few con female conductors in the world. How would you recommend female conductors navigate this male-dominated profession, and what obstacles have you come up against? Oh, wow. You know, it, it's getting a little better, um, but... I think I read somewhere that female conductors make up four percent of the amount of conductors. That may have changed, but um, um, it was—it's uh, definitely been tough um, for female conductors. But you know, I think the ones that actually make it are probably unbelievably, unbelievably talented. Nothing can stop them. Years ago, um, I was singing for a Zubin Mehta. And Zubin Mehta, um, 
uh, I was driving him to his car because it was far away, and I said I'd give him a ride to his car. And I said, how come there aren't more women playing in the Philharmonic? And he goes, it's a man's business. We, we really don't want women in. Now, this years ago, he may have changed his mind now. Um, so I, I said, um, how can you tell if they're women? Because I know you have a curtain. He goes, we can see their shoes. You know. Oh, yeah. oh terrible. That, that was years ago. Um, but some of the women conductors that have that are so unbelievably fantastic are, are doing well. Uh, about three months ago, uh, there was an international conference of a symposium of women conductors from around the world that was hosted from Brazil. It ended up being on Zoom. But it was so cool to get to talk to women conductors all over the world, and I got to be a presenter. And that was really cool um, to just hear everybody's stories and, and share how we all felt. I had a terrible experience on one concert in England where uh, the concert master, uh, it was in, um, wow. It was, I saw that lightning. It was <laughs> they do. So I went to this uh, symposium uh, of women conductors in uh, Brazil. And, uh, but it was actually held over Zoom because of coronavirus, but it was so great to conduct with uh, connect with conductors all over the world, and I got to present at it. Um, probably the worst experience I ever had as a woman conductor was on a, 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 a tour, and I was uh, in um, York, England, and uh, the uh, concertmaster was really a male chauvinist. Mm-hmm. And he did not want to have me, and that, the concertmaster really controls the orchestra. And whatever he does, if he doesn't stand up, nobody stands up. If he doesn't applaud, nobody applauds. Or she, maybe. And he had it in for, uh, did not want to work with me. And so he says, your beat isn't clear. And I said, and I made the mistake of saying, well, maybe you'd like to show us how you'd like that entrance. And he stood up, grabbed my baton, and went like that. And he said, see, that's how you do it. (gasps) Uh, I was like, you know, I was already nervous. So now I'm mortified, right? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. uh, And uh, the, the, the manager who had hired them asked him to apologize to me or he was going to be fired. And so he came up and says, you know, I'm a Yorkshire man. And uh, this is just how we are, you know. There's places for women and there are places where they shouldn't be. That's quite an apology. (laughs) Yeah, right. So if you'll excuse me for just saying what, you know, we men here think. And um, he says, and just good luck. And and the next concert was the one I was talking about earlier. The next day I was going to be conducting in London with the the Phil. Um, uh, And he said, wait till they get a hold of you. So when it was went really, really well, and <laughs> oh, and the orchestra likes you because they take their sticks, their bows, and they they tap them on the thing. Oh, we're all tapping, and the the concert master hugged me and everything. And you know, I said I was so relieved. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it's very scary, you know. You, uh, uh, an orchestra can eat you alive um, if you if you if you don't know what you're doing, and you. Uh, for me, I, the answer for me is just practice, 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 practice until I, every cue is just, you know, there. I'm sure that that's the answer for many women conductors. And, and for all our late boomers out there, I, I just mm-hmm. want to say that it may take us longer to do stuff. Maybe I'm standing in a room and I don't remember why I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find my keys, and uh, I forgot that I left the water on in the kitchen. (laughs) Um, Just, there's no reason why we can't do stuff. It might take us a little longer, but we got to do it. But you have all the wisdom of your years and your education and all that brilliant stuff that you bring to the table that other people don't have. Right. And less distraction. That's the purpose of this whole thing is because... We need to be encouraged. We live in a society that uh, worships youth. Uh, youth is wasted on the young. Um, yes. 
And can you give our listeners maybe uh, a strategy that you have that has helped grow your business that maybe would give them some advice also? Value who you work with. Um, Don't, uh, I really feel like I need to listen to everybody because they may have something to say that I haven't thought of. And um, I, and that the whole concept of ownership uh, of making people feel that, that what they're doing is important, that they feel valued, that they feel like they own this. Um, when they do, uh, and when they're proud of what they do, uh, then we create something really cool. And the other advice I give is don't waste yourself on stuff just to make money. Um, put your heart into something that makes the world a little bit better. Every night when I go to bed and I say my little prayers and I say, just let me find the best in me there is. And tomorrow, let me just do be the best I can be and just help me leave the world a little bit better than when I came and let me be a little bit better than I was today. Uh, That is so true. As a business strategy, I can't think of anything better than what you just said. I can't either. And, and I, I have to ask one more question because I'd like to know. So kind to to invite me. I am. I'm so appreciative. Okay. Well, we love having you. Um, I have to ask, where are you planning on working now? What is your latest project? And where can people see Angel City Corral? Well, the biggest thing is, of course, our December concerts. We'd like so many people to come to. And they will be live streamed. Um, so we'll be able to do that way. And you can find it from our website, angelcitycorral.org. So December 4th and 5th are our concerts at Royce Hall at UCLA. Um, and uh, again, you can get tickets through our website. And uh, we've got some other projects going. Uh, we, we've done some video game music. We worked on one yesterday called Old World that uh, features the music we did was sung by a wonderful um, uh, like the biggest star in Lebanon, uh, a beer, fantastic voice. Um, and we did the, uh, the music for that yesterday and film. We'd already done the recording, but yesterday we filmed the, um, uh, the video and we've got some, uh, uh, we're going to be at the ACDA, the American directors, composers, and I can't even, it's, it's a big, uh, conductors, conductors uh, of America. We're going to be featured performers at that. Um, so I'll have 3,500 com- conductors staring at me. Hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Uh, we have a couple of pie in the sky things. We've been talking with uh, a couple of film companies, uh, uh, Ryback Films, who did um, the the Two Popes and some other big movies. They did the uh, uh, the It movies and uh, um, uh, they've done a lot of movies uh, where they're developing a movie about us and uh, a wonderful documentarians writing a, a documentary about us doing a documentary on us Ooh, um, uh, that's exciting so there are a lot of little pie in the sky things happening you know I love that and it aren't pie in the sky they're happening <laughs> But our listener, for our listeners today, our guest on Late Boomers has been Sue Fink, singer, songwriter, conductor, and founder of the Angel City Corral. You can reach Sue at suefink at angelcitycorral.org. And don't forget the corral has an E, C-H-O-R-A-L-E. Sue Fink at angelcitycorral.org. And on Facebook and the Angel City Corral, C-H-O-R-A-L-E, on their YouTube channel. Be sure and check out that video with all the millions of views. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sue. That's Africa. And the website for the corral is www.angelcitycorral.org. Great. Thank you again, Sue. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you so much for including me. And it's so fun to get to talk to you because you're both really eloquent. Oh, Thank you. And Thank we you want to invite much. 
We want to invite our listeners to visit our website, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z, and drop us a line. Tell us how you are listening to our podcast. And also, please follow us on Instagram, at I am Kathy Worthington, and at I am Mary Elkins. Check out our other episodes on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Alexa, EWN Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it is our mission to inspire you to live your best life, no matter what age you are or phase of life you are in. Thanks again, Sue. Thank you. Thank you. for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So, here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.